So uh, as you heard, Rich is out in California visiting uh, some family for part of the time and then uh, also uh, attending a pastor's gathering and him and Paul are getting rejuvenated. It's a great way to support each other and share great ideas and all that. So uh, that's where Rich is and, and he sent me a, a note this morning just saying, share my love with everybody and tell everybody that I, I, I miss them. So I wanted to do that first, take care of that. Also, I wanted to point out, you know, it's kind of funny because when I was putting this together uh, over the last few days, I had all these ideas in my head of what I was going to do, and I had notes I'd been taking for a while and all this. And I started putting this together, and, and I used none of my notes, did nothing that I was thinking about. And it, it's amazing to me because I started putting this down, and then it just started flowing. It just kept going and going, and I, I didn't really have to reference a whole lot of stuff. I just started all coming out. So I felt really good about how natural it was, and, and, and I think maybe the timing even of just, you know, the, the, the topic is, is something I think that touches everyone. And, um, and uh, it's, it's just a great way, I think, to, to share all this stuff. So let's start with a question. How many times have you asked yourself, and think, think about this, how many times have you asked yourself, why me, God? Why are you doing this to me? You know, why have you put me in this bad place and done these bad things and, and you're hurting people that I care about or my family? Or, you know, why are you punishing me? Why have you taken this person away from me? And if you really think about that, I'm sure that we've all asked those questions at some point. That's why I didn't even ask the question, have you ever asked? Because I'm sure everybody's asked, you know, why is this happening? Why, why are these bad things around us? And it, it's one of those things where not only does it happen to all of us, but we don't understand it. And that's why we ask the question. We're just not understanding why are these things happening. And I got up here on the slide, and if you want to turn to it even, Romans 8, 28. You know, God says, we know. Okay, and that's, this is, remember, this is Paul writing this. So it's pretty assertive that Paul says, we know. Like, there's not even a doubt there that all things God works for, all, and remember, if you want to get legalistic, all is all, it's everything. There's no exceptions, it's all. And the other thing that really intrigued me with this is, is God works. See, look at God, like God's making an effort here. It's not just happening by itself. God's working for the good of those who love him. And those who have been called to his purpose. So, again, if there's no exception, how come the bad things are included in the all? You know, it, it has to be. It says all things. God is working for all things to be good. So, again, it's just that stuff we don't understand. It's just, it's just weird. And what's really funny is 
I, I looked this up and I found in Old English, good was actually spelled G-O-D with a small g. So I thought that was unusual. Um, and, and then if you look at the definition of good, it means something with the right qualities, something that has virtue. Right? That was very unusual. And something that is a benefit. That's all the definition of good. And then, let's see if I can get the slide to change. Maybe when you guys can just flip the slide. Well, I'll just read it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at a Bible in a different version, right, it says that in all things, God works together with those who love him. So now we've added ourselves to this whole mix. It's not just, you know, God working and, and, and uh, God all by himself doing these things. We're in the mix now. So God's working together with the people who love him so that all things are good. So that was pretty heavy duty. And I, I think we have trouble believing or, or accepting that <clears throat> how can all things be good? And, and we even say, I don't deserve this. This, this shouldn't happen. And then... <clears throat> we get heavy with God, right? And we say, God, if you love me, you wouldn't let terrible things happen. And sometimes I'll bet strangers have even asked, well, you read about this, right? The strangers say, if God so loves people, his people, why do bad things happen? And why do they hurt? Why would God let people hurt if he loves them? So that's a tough question. And it challenges our faith, for sure. You know, tragedy can break us. And then we say, well, is God testing us? Mm, probably a lot more than that. Right? And sometimes breaking us is a good thing. We're broken. It opens our heart. We're accepting it, it, that being at rock bottom that opens us up, and we, we, we say, okay, I'm ready for a change. I'm going to let you in. Okay, it tears down those walls that surround all of us, just rips them down and, and invites the better things in to replace the, those bad things. You've heard all those, the, 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 the testimonies of all the people who would stand up, whether it's here or elsewhere or wherever. You hear those testimonies. I've been broken. I've been torn down, I've hit rock bottom, I'm ready. And a lot of that's because we're stubborn. We, we think we know a whole lot, even though we know very little. But then there's the opposite that can happen too. You can have the deeply faithful, the convicted people who tragedy touches and hits. And grief closes their heart. And they say, you know, is that part of God's plan? You know, is this, is this what you meant for me? To rip me apart? To rip me away from you? You know, that's, that's the bitter pill, right? It's hard to swallow a, a, a pill like that. 
So the reminder here is God speaks to us through circumstance, okay? The things around us is, is really how God's communicating with us. So if you think of it in these terms, God's really, really complicated. I'm going to explain that. Really hard to understand. I'll even say impossible to understand. And the other barrier to all this is we put it all in our own perspective. So we always use ourselves as the gauge, right? So the, the little thing I say to myself is we think of WWPD, right? Which is what would people do? And that's how we think of things. What would people do? That's, that's our standard. Because it's always based on what we know. That's, that's how we can more or less judge what's going on. But wouldn't it be way easier to understand things from God's perspective? Right? That might help us figure out why these things happen that don't make any sense. So, I don't know if... It's the same old thing. All right, here we go. So, just, again, a different Bible version, wording this a little differently now, says, all things work together for good. So now not only is it <clears throat> God doing things for good, whether it appears bad to us or not, or us working with God, but now it's all these things collectively working together. That's really complicated, okay? Because it's not just what's affecting us, it's what's affecting other people or people we don't know or things we don't know. And all this, this giant scope of events that we don't know anything about all interworking, right? Because it's to say, all things work together for good. So there's some harmony between all these things that we're not, we miss that one. So then we ask, is even the ugliest tragedy a pathway to something better? You know, seriously, could you, can you say the school bus off a cliff is a path to something better? And that's, that's tricky. So, if we have a shot of understanding this, maybe we need to use God's perspective. So let's, let's figure out what that is. What is God's perspective, and how is it different than our, our perspective? Well, as we know, it's really limited, right? Only know, we only know what we know. God's is limitless. All right, or... If, we phrase it another way. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we're missing. So we know that God is all-knowing, right? Omniscient is the $10 word. So what does that mean? That means that God knows everything there is to know, every event, everything that's happened, everything that will happen, everything that's happening right now. And not only that, God also has full knowledge of all knowledge. So on top of being a historian, God has full knowledge of all knowledge. We don't have any of that stuff. <clears throat> so that means God doesn't need to experiment. 
doesn't need to test the waters, doesn't need to see what's going to happen next. God can move with conviction because God knows everything. Complete commitment, fearlessness, because there's no unknowns, knows everything. And then we're going to add to it. God is omnipresent, present everywhere at the same time, all the time. There's no place that God is not, even for one second. So God knows everything and is present everywhere all the time. Well, that can lead to something called causation. That's another $10 word, right? Causation is the relationship of one event to another. Cause and effect. Okay, you hear that one more often. So what if everything was a string of causes since the beginning right through to the end? It's all a string of cause and effect, cause and effect. So that means, if that's true, all things are interrelated, which again, we go to the Bible verse, it says all things work together. Everything's related. The problem is we only know a little sliver of all things. So we can't understand it. We don't get it. So, not taking my word for it, and you don't have to turn it, because I, I get a lot of little one-sentence things or two-sentence things, but in Acts 17, 27, It says, God did this so they would seek him and reach out for him and find him. He is never far from any of us. So God's with us all the time, ever present. So let's add on. Now God is omnipotent, all doing. There's nothing God can't do. Not taking my word for it, in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32.4, for reference, it says, he, God, is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Okay, so he's all doing, and again, all-knowing, all-present, can be perfect because there's nothing to experiment. There's no trial and error. So what does that mean for us? Well, that means God can be very consistent. Okay, there's no need for adjustments, no need to change direction. Oops, I messed up there. I got to shift gears. God doesn't have to shift gears. There's conviction. There's no backpedaling. Because of that, because of that consistency and that conviction and, and the perfection, we can know that God is faithful. That's how we know. There's no deviation. It's forever and ever. There's perfection at every step. Okay? That, I think, helps us understand more. But there's, there's more. So, in the all-doing department, 
And it's Matthew 19, 26. Again, one sentence. It says, Jesus looks at them and says, with man, this is impossible. And with God, all things are possible. So we've heard that one quite a few times. And Jesus is talking about salvation. But think of how hard that is. Right? That's way harder than even events in our, our own lives. We couldn't save ourselves. We can't save anybody else. That cleansing, that's, that's a God-only item. So Jesus even reminds us, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say to the crippled man, get up and walk? So that's, again, you've heard that one before. That just gives you an idea of how much God has dialed into this stuff. So there's nothing higher or harder than cleansing a soul, harder than moving mountains. And then on top of that, again, this is God's perspective. God is eternal, right? Timeless, infinite, everlasting, without beginning or end. That, that's a hard one for us because we think of time, you know, your day begins, your day ends, your week begins, your week ends. How can we comprehend always being there? You know, God's always existed. That, that's, a, that's really hard for us to get our head around. That means nothing comes before God, nothing comes after God. And again, the Bible teaches us God not only says, you know, is, is, is this, God lets us know I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. Not, I have no beginning, I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and last. I mean, those are. Again, bold and powerful statements, but God can do that being all those things that we just went over. God's convicted and committed and, and consistent enough to make those kind of statements. And there's a boatload of references, whether it's in Genesis, Deuteronomy, Daniel, Romans, Jeremiah, 2 Peter, on and on and on, that all point to eternal God, eternal kingdom, and the granting of eternal life. Again, without God, none of that would be. In Daniel 4.3, again, just a little sentence, but how great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His domination endures from generation to generation. I mean, it's, it's right there. It's laid right out. So God's all these things that I just went over, and we're none of those. We, we aren't the beginning and end. We aren't all-knowing. We aren't all-seeing. We aren't all-present. We miss a lot. Even the know-it-alls don't know it all. So, if God is present everywhere at the same time and knows everything, you can probably agree that there's some kind of reason, there's some kind of plan, 
whether it's good and bad, but the cause and effects, again, are, there's, it's not just random chance. And think about this. Why is it that sometimes when bad things should happen, they don't happen? And then sometimes when bad things shouldn't happen, they do. All right? Here's some examples. About a month ago, right, someone was very distraught, really hit bottom, and they jumped off the Jamestown Bridge at the highest point. It's about 140 feet. They hit the water 120 miles an hour. Now, quick physics lesson, all right? I, I love physics. When your motion, your energy of motion is greater than the energy that holds you together, you come apart, okay? That's, it's not because the water's cement, okay? You hear that sometimes. Well, you hit the water fast, it's like cement. No, it's because your energy of motion is greater than the energy that holds us together, okay? But this person not only lived, but by chance, the harbor patrol boat was nearby, comes over, this person actually swam up to the boat, okay? You might have heard this on the news. That's something tragic that should have happened. It didn't happen. They, they weren't even badly hurt. Why? Okay, that's, that's the same why as when something really bad happens. So how about the poor girl that got shot in San Francisco? Okay? On the pier. Very safe place. All restaurants and shops and everything. Super safe. She shot, just randomly shot. Right? You've, I'm sure you've heard this one on the news. By somebody who shouldn't even have been in the country. Was in prison, got released was supposed to be picked up by immigration, never got picked up, out on the street. This, this poor woman should never have been shot, but she was, and she died. Well, to me, that's the same thing as the person who jumped off the Jamestown Bridge and, and lived. It, it just, none, none of that stuff should happen because it's, it defies logic. Or, let's go bigger. How about the Tunzania beach attack, okay? 38 people shot on the beach. Now, beaches aren't really known for violence, not a lot of robberies, not much to rob, right? But here comes the gunman randomly just shooting at everybody. But you may or may not have heard about this. Did you know that the beach employees, the lifeguards and the attendants and all the people working the beach made human chains in front of the tourists? so that they wouldn't be shot. They stood shoulder to shoulder to shield the tourists from the gunmen. And the gunmen didn't shoot them. How come? The workers in the hotel were running outside towards the gunfire to shield the, the guests from the hotel. Okay? How many people run towards gunfire? But none of those people got shot. So think about this. You get tourists, you get tourists on the beach who are being shot and shouldn't be. And you've got people making chains and shielding the people that are being shot, and they're not shot. That just defies logic. So then I I would have to think that we can't believe that when bad things happen, it's God trying to push us away. 
okay? Or that we should let these things push us away. I'm not even going to say that God's testing us because think about it, God's all-knowing, right? Why would God have to test us? God already knows what's in our heart. There's no reason to test, right? The, the outcome's already known. Do you test fire to see if it's hot? Huh? Or ice, see if it's cold? No, duh, it's, it, you know. Well, God's the same way. God knows what's there. There's no test. Now, we can ask to be tested and challenged. Psalm 26 says that we can, we can invite God to test us, challenge us. Okay? But that, that's for us. That's not for God. That's for, that's for ourselves. That's so we can build conviction. All right? So I start thinking, okay, if it's not a test, what is it? Well, probably a really high likelihood that it's an opportunity. Because remember, all things are working together for good. All things are working in conjunction. So there's opportunities then in all these things that are happening. Now, some of these opportunities we see clearly, and we take them, and we like them. We help a hurting friend, right? Or we pray for somebody. Or we encourage someone who is feeling lost or downtrodden. We take away their hopelessness, give them some encouragement. We welcome those opportunities. Or even internally, we, we welcome an opportunity to get right with ourselves. We've, we've hit bottom, we've, we've hit the low point, and we want to get right with ourselves. So we take that opportunity and we, we take action. Or we at least work at it. We, we make an effort to move, to move to a better place. And those opportunities are in front of us all the time. I call them good for good, right? The good opportunities to have a good outcome. So we really, really want those. But then there's the opportunities that come with a sledgehammer, okay? And they hurt. Those hurt. That's what I call bad for good. That's the betrayals, right? The backstabbers, the cheaters, the villains, the murderers, you know? Or, again, death that touches our lives all the time. Those are the hurtful things that come and the hurtful opportunities that are in front of us. And we struggle with those. That's not the kind we like. And sometimes it's a self-realization and we're looking inwards and, and it clicks. Yep, I'm the problem. I'm the one that needs a change. And that, that hurts too. We don't like to admit that. I'm a, I'm a problem. And sometimes they're outside of us. It's someone else. And we, we can administer to them. We can help them. There's always somebody worse off than ourselves, always. And we have to be willing to take that opportunity. And it's hard. We have to sacrifice. And we have to come face to face with some kind of darkness. Even if we don't like that, obviously. 
We have to face it. And it reaches us right in, right in here. It gets an icy grip. And that darkness grabs us. And whether it's our own darkness or something happening to somebody that we care about or us trying to help somebody who's in a dark place, it still grabs us. And that's when we need lots of faith. Right? What I call mega faith. Right? So a little more info on that. Mega. Anybody know what that is? That's, that means a million. Right? That's like a scientific term for a million. So I always go further and I say, okay, maybe we need a Google of faith. Now, not Google like the company. This is the, real, the original Google, which is G-O-O-G-O-L, not L-E. And that's a one with a hundred zeros. Okay, so now you'll think of the term differently, probably. Or if you're a scientist or a mathematician, you're really into it. It's ten, I don't know if I can say this, duo trigantillion. So that's a fun one to share at work. But what it comes down to is one with 100 zeros is a really big number. Okay? Well, that's what we need. We need giant sized faith to face the darkness and deal with that grip that's hitting us, the sledgehammer. We have to come to terms with the darkness. We have to come to terms with ourselves, too. So we need jumbo faith. But it gets tougher. Then the aftershocks come. Okay, after the bad event, after something is tragic around us, tragedy grabbing us, the aftershocks come and we start with the what ifs. We're going to blame ourselves. That's the self-doubt. Can we say, what if I had been there? Maybe I could have stopped the tragedy. What if I wasn't so busy, wasn't so distracted? I would have noticed more if I wasn't thinking of everything but. Or maybe I could have said something. What if I said something that would have been the right thing and I just didn't say it? Or maybe I was too afraid to say it. Or I was intimidated and I held back. And now this bad thing happened because I was chicken. What if I said something, but I wasn't forceful enough? I just kind of mentioned it because I didn't want to seem obnoxious. I should have been more forceful. I should have acted differently. I should have had more self-control and been able to overcome these things. What if? We can what if endlessly. What if we had more conviction? So... It takes a lot of bravery, like I said, to help people who are hurting, or even to help ourselves who are hurting. It takes sacrifice. We have to give up time and effort and our fears to take some action. It requires us taking ourselves less seriously. I mean, taking what's around us for real. That's not easy. I mean, I can, we can talk about it, but that's, that's, when it comes time to do it, 
Talking's one thing, doing's another. It's not easy. And then there's all those unknowns, right? The unknowns keep us from accepting things. It keeps us from accepting that there's reasons for all these types of things happening. But like I said, remember, reason isn't random. Right? That, that's, a, that's a big statement. Reason, reason isn't random. It doesn't just happen. So that means it's planned, right? Part of God's plan, which seems awkward. And we may say, well, come on. All this sadness is part of a plan. It's senseless. It, I feel like I'm, God's abandoned me. That, that's a plan. Not a bad dream. This is real. It's really happening. And I just don't get it. And you say, God, hello. I, I'm, I'm here. It's, this isn't how it's supposed to be. But then we get back to the opportunity thing. So maybe that personal loss, internal or external, whether it's us looking outwards or outwards looking inward, maybe that personal loss is the opportunity. And it's an opportunity for someone or something to get into our lives or us to get into someone else's life. Or being in places we may not otherwise be. Okay, that loss changes things. So maybe we can bring something special to a place that we haven't been before. Or maybe someone needs us very badly and we would not have been available. Or maybe something's changed inside of us and now we're going to do things different. Our outlook's changed. We've all had life-changing events. Big tragedy brings big changes, right? And again, we're stubborn. So sometimes little tragedies don't do the trick. We, we need the gauntlet. So... Just look at September 11th, all right? 14 years later, we still talk about it like it just happened, all right? And that tragedy touched everybody. It was a life changer. And it touched everybody at the same time. The same instant, it touched everybody. That's powerful. And... I'm sure we've all heard a story somewhere along the line about a life-changing event, something that made us wake up. Well, how about, you've heard this, right? After some bad thing, fill in the blank, after I looked at things differently, I changed my perspective. I changed my attitude. Those, again, are the things that shake us up and make us react in a different way than we ever have before.
So in Daniel 2.22, here's the mystery. He, that's God, he reveals deep and mysterious things. He knows what lies hidden in darkness. And light dwells with him. Now let's, let's throw some stuff in there. So God reveals the deep and mysterious things. That's the tragedies, right? They're deep and, they hurt and they're, they're big. And he knows what's hidden in the darkness. Well, I don't, I, when I read that, I don't read that there's more tragedy in the darkness. I read what's hidden in the darkness is the opportunity. The good stuff that comes out of the bad stuff. That's what's hidden in the darkness. The tragedy's out in the open. That happened. There's no, no mystery there. What's hidden is the good stuff that we have to be open to. And then the resolution is the light that dwells with him. That's, that's how we overcome it. So, because God is interacting all things at all times, in all places, it's hard, confusing. We don't see the full picture. All we know is the short-sightedness that we have because we get a little sliver of info. And that's why God warns us, judge not. Because we don't have enough information. We're judging based on our sliver. God knows everything. God is the perfect judge. So because we aren't all-knowing, all-seeing, ever-present, imagine if there was a courtroom where only one side of the story could be told, the other side had to be mute, silent. I mean, it happens in the world now, and, and, and people protest because it's so slanted. But, but again, when, when we're faced with stuff, we kind of do the same thing. We only... Look at one side of the story. We only look at the piece that affects us immediately. So maybe we're not any better than those courts that only allow one side to speak. So maybe we're a little self-centered. And we have no idea how what we do affects all the things around us. We're, we're just blind to all the things that we don't know. So something like this, we oversleep and we're mad because we, we're late now and we have to rush and we don't get our coffee and it's a bad day. But we don't know that we just saved the life of the person who was going to step in front of our car because it never happened. All the things cause and effect. It all interrelates, all of it. And we don't know sometimes that when things get taken from our life, something taken away from us, whatever that is, makes us available to someone else because that might not happen until a little later. We, we don't even realize it's happening, it's happening. 
Maybe somebody needs us in a different way than they used to need us. We don't realize it. Or we touch someone or someone touches us. How about this? We become someone that people can relate to or a certain person can relate to. Why? Because we have a common pain. We share a tragedy. We share something that they can relate to. We couldn't do that before. They make a connection. We have a mutual wound. They make the connection. It makes us so valuable and we don't even know it. It just happens so automatically. Instead, we're blinded knowing that we're mad and angry and we're suffering. That's all we know. You know, the old we can't see the forest, all we see is trees. That's what we do. Because we don't know what we don't know. So, Maybe it makes sense if we stop trying to understand the incomprehensible. Stop trying to figure it out. It's too frustrating anyway. We can't. Spinning our wheels, we're getting no traction. We're not getting the answers. We keep looking, keep challenging ourselves mentally. So what if we put that effort into strengthening our faith instead? Okay, put that energy into building our faith. Why is that? Well, Proverbs 3 tells us, the instruction book tells us in 3.5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It's right there, black and white. Why? Because we don't understand. <clears throat> And then it says, goes on in the next verse, it says, And always submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So, he will make you what's needed. He will help you become valuable. So stop trying to figure it out. And again, don't lean on your own understanding. Lean on your faith. So we can choose bitterness or we can choose gain for pain. It's our choice. You know, that's leverage. That's like we're using something to do something else. And long levers, a deep pain, long levers will move boulders. And you know what? The moment that we decide, you know what, enough. I'm not going to let this drag down, drag me down. It's not working anyway. I'm over it. I'm going to start using my lever. That's a, that's a powerful moment. That's the events, the game changer. The, the, that decision is the change in us. And God knows how to play, how it's going to play on every side, everywhere, everything. Not just our side, we know. All sides. So God's got it all. Makes sense to use that and don't lean on our own understanding. 
And that's really the difference, right, between believers and non, the people of strong faith and weak faith or no faith. It's that patience and trust, mostly trust. The patience to work it through, but the trust that it's going to be for good. The end result is for good. So our calling is to have faith to believe that all things are for good. And if we play with the old English, all things are for G-O-D, capital G this time. Okay? Thank you. <laughs>